0: We can't help it. We worry and we suffer because we love. Yet in the midst of all our trials, we moms can grow in peace, wisdom, and even joy. Annabelle Mosley is here to help us embrace the paradox of the prayerful mom.
1: Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Miladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool
0: Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today we're talking about the paradox of the prayerful mom with Annabelle Mosley. Annabelle is an award-winning author and poet featured in the 2019 documentary film Masterpieces about the vocational call of the arts. Her books include Sacred Braille, The Rosary is Masterpiece, oh my goodness, is this thing beautiful, get it, which received the imprimatur in 2021 and was actually transcribed into Braille, as well as her recent book, Our House of the Sacred Heart. She's also a contributor to a brand new book coming out in November 2021, so whenever you're listening to this, The Ave Prayer Book for Catholic Mothers from Ave Maria Press. Beautiful. You can hear Annabelle on Relevant Radio on the first Monday morning of each month on Morning Air or on her two syndicated podcasts on WCAT Radio born on the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, raised on the North Shore of Long Island, boy, do you have good credentials, and, <laughs> and influenced by five generations of her family in an unforgettable red house she calls our House of the Sacred Heart. Annabelle continues to give witness to lessons of faith as a professor of theology and in her domestic church with her husband and homeschooled children. Find Annabelle at her website, tourguideofwonder.com. It's a beautiful website and you really can start there, but we're going to give you lots in the show notes for really finding Annabelle. She's doing so many incredible things. Welcome to the program, Annabelle. Thank you, Lisa. It's a joy to be with you. Oh, Thank you. And I just want to start with one of those resources, which I discovered recently. Um, the YouTube video for Praying the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady uses excerpts from the incredible poetry of your book Sacred Braille. Wow. I just cried my way through it in a good way. Like it Aww. wasn't like ripping my heart out. I was so touched by the beauty and accessibility of the little meditations. They were just stunning.
2: Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Well, that means a lot, Lisa. And you know, that I love that devotion and that means so much you're saying that you're saying that because that's kind of what we're called to do is put our heart with our lady and the more we can feel what she felt in our own small way, we really feel like the devotion is working, you know,
0: Yeah. It's a great way to look at it. We feel what she feels. I I often ask Our Lady to help me to see the mysteries of the Rosary the way she sees them as I'm praying. So, that just made me kind of go, oh, Holy Spirit, love it. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. So, you've contributed to this beautiful new devotional that's coming out soon, the Ave Maria, I'm sorry, the Ave Prayer Book for Catholic Mothers, which is from Ave Maria Press. Tell us a little bit about the book and why this is a great resource for homeschooling moms.
2: It's such a great book. It has it features over seventy Catholic mothers who are also writers from all around the world, and so the book brings together. I feel like it's every classic prayer. I mean, if you, you think of a prayer you love, it's in there. You know, everything from the Rosary to the Angelus to the Anima Christi. It's all there. But then, along with listing the prayers, they also organize. The editor Heidi Hess Saxton has organized like when you could use it as a mom suggestions for like when you could make this your go-to prayer and for each prayer she gets one of these 70 moms to write about how she's used it or how it's helped her life as a mom and the moms come from every kind of walk of life you could imagine there are young moms just starting out there are moms of only children there are moms of 10 children there are also what i love there's moms who let's say um, adopted their children, or uh, maybe they're not an actual mom, but they're a spiritual mom. You know, they—they're the kind of uh, aunt that's almost like a mom to their nieces. They're a mom that married and kind of inherited these children through marriage, but now those kids are like their own. It's every experience you could imagine. So wow. uh, I love being a part of it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's an incredible project, and I feel like as moms, it'll be that go-to book. It's pretty. It's pretty enough to put on your coffee table or display, but it's also small enough to, like, grab, you know, stick in your bag and bring with you on the go and always have just for when you need that moment of inspiration.
0: Wow, what an incredible concept. I've known Heidi for years, and Heidi Saxton is... She loves our faith so deeply and so profoundly, and I really feel like her creativity comes out in these remarkable ways. Like, how insightful yes. to yes. have moms talk about where this has really, wow, just blown up, born, born fruit in my life, where it fits in and makes sense and all of that. Right. So beautiful.
2: Right. So when we have those dry moments as moms, we could just pick this up and just thumb through it and say, she even has it organized by section. You know, like if you're experiencing a certain problem or worry as a mom or anxiety, it's all right there.
0: Oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. Uh, Just incredibly thoughtful. So homeschooling moms, as we know, you're a homeschooling mom, I was a homeschooling mom, Mm -hmm. are uh, always spinning 10,000 plates and it is really tough to find a place of quiet. So why is it when so much depends on us, so important for us to just pump the brakes and stop to pray.
2: Yeah, I think it all goes back for me to Martha and Mary of Bethany. I think about those wonderful sisters. I always think of them as almost two sides of the same coin because, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like poor St. Martha gets a little bit put down, you know, oh, don't be a St. Martha. She was always <laughs> busy. Be more like Mary, you know, have a merry heart in this Martha world. And yet Martha's also a saint. Like, we can't forget that she became a saint. (laughs) So, when we're beating ourselves up that, oh, you know, I've got so much to do all the time and I get lost in that. Well, Martha became a saint. But I think think that Jesus is teaching us that they were both necessary. They're both, in other words, even though Mary chose the better part, and she did, and we won't take that away from her. (laughs) Martha still was there necessary. She's the one that of the two sisters that welcomed Jesus in. So, I feel like it's about balancing those two sides of ourselves, the Martha and the Mary, and telling, um, when, when that Martha side of ourselves gets a little too anxious and worried about many things, remembering what Jesus is telling us. Hey, if you're picking the better part, if you're praying, it's not, nothing's going to be taken from you. I think sometimes we're afraid when we pray, if we're really honest, right? that something might be taken from us usually time you know Mm -hmm. if I sit down and pray this rosary what's going to be taken time with the kids time to finish my project for work time to help my husband time to and it goes on but I think that quote from Jesus Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her it won't be taken from us in fact it'll be given back that's that's kind of what I get from that
0: wow Wow. I just had one of my clients say that now that she's learning just, and she wasn't really talking about prayer, even though she's a prayerful person, just to take breaks because she's a high achiever like you are, like she does a lot all the time. She's finding herself more refreshed and getting more done.
2: Yes. That's the irony. That's what's incredible. A lot of times it's, it's that's almost, um, where we're being taught. It's that Bethany moment. I'm actually, that's one of the projects I'm working on now, which is called the Bethany Plan. Mm-hmm. And it's all, all about balance and integrating these, the Martha and the Mary side of ourselves. And mm-hmm. we are always being called when we feel that anxiety, it's an opportunity to pause and to pray. And I like to think about, you know, Thessalonians, it, that famous, you know, that pray without ceasing. It's on a lot of coffee mugs and t shirts. Yes. You see it a lot. <laughs> I feel like as moms, that can at first seem a little like, oh, don't give me another thing on my to-do list. (laughs) Pray without ceasing, you know? I feel like I'm doing so much already without ceasing. How do I... And yet, if we have that in our minds, it's amazing. And we give that to God, of course, through prayer. Help me to do that. Even in the midst of our work, we can find that spot of balance, you know, to say, I'm literally, I'm doing the most, you know unglamorous thing in the world, I'm cleaning out my sink and filling my dishwasher. And yet, I just, if for a second I can remember those days, I can remember to say, I offer this up um, for your greater glory in whatever way. I love you, Lord. <laughs> Suddenly, it's its praying without ceasing. You
0: know? Yeah. And can be done as you're kind of describing in an attitude of prayer. We can make that quick little acknowledgement to the Lord that this yeah. is for you. And how? what do you notice about the difference that makes in the act of doing that mundane task.
2: It changes it. It's exactly right. And there's plenty of days I forget. That's why I'm working on this Bethany plan of balance. But the days I remember to do it, suddenly, I don't know, There, there's this lift. There's this lift of, you know, you feel lifted up by peace, I think. And uh, it, it just, you get clarity. I have a quote here. It's over my computer. And I look at it. It's in my office. I'm in my office right now. And it's from Pope Benedict the 16th and it says prayer is never time wasted Ooh. nor is it time robbed from activities rather it is exactly the opposite if we live in faithful constant confident prayer god himself will give us the strength Ooh. so i i think that's that's the mindset and I, I have it there to remind me you know yeah. it's so easy to forget
0: it really is You know, there's that old saw of pray like it all depends on God, but work like it all depends on you. But working like it all depends on you kind of crowds out God. I mean, we want to do our best and all, but there's that humble sense of coming to the throne of God in humility that it opens the floodgates of grace. And I also want to just you know that humility it's difficult to stop our forward momentum when we're busy it's so hard it requires humility it's like a little death a mortification yeah. but the other aspect of it is that what you were just describing so beautifully that moment of doing something mundane or unglamorous time. we i think of the hidden life of the holy family yes. I think of the the hidden life of every saint, you know, especially yes. before social media, you know, where we don't have a lot of, we don't have videos of, of the saints doing what they did, most of it was hidden. And so, to understand that that hiddenness itself is even a gateway.
2: And then it becomes so beautiful, you know, then it becomes, uh, just. I was just thinking of reading uh, The City of God um, about the life of our Blessed Mother, and that's considered a spiritual classic, four volumes, no less. But one I opened it one day, you know, like you can do with the Bible. You just open it to see what inspiration. And it just it was just writing that that Mary would would fight is so cute. Our blessed mother would would fight to do the dishes or to do the humble task, even when like Saint Elizabeth would say, Well, you know, like what she was visiting St. Elizabeth, there was one account that St. Elizabeth said, no, you're the mother of God. I want to, you know, it's so cute. I want to clean the kitchen. And Mary (laughs) was saying, no, it makes God so happy when we do humble things. I want to do it. You know, and they had this cute, almost little beautiful fight over who would do this humble work. What a great reminder that nothing that you, as you say, that is humble is wasted. It's beautiful and it's lifted up and it's kind of the most beautiful offering, like an incense you could give God.
0: Mm, Gorgeous. Yeah. So many things we will see from the vantage point of heaven one day that we had no idea had such an impact on a soul struggling in despair on the other side of the world or on the other side of our street in our neighborhood, like those little humble offerings done with love. So many beautiful things. Sorry.
2: Lisa, the way you just described the hidden lives of the saints, that sounds so much like the hidden lives of like your podcast, Homeschooling Saints. Our lives as homeschooling parents, it's that day-to-day, you know, within the walls of our domestic church, it's all those opportunities. So when you mention those lives of the saints, it it really is so um, relevant to what we're trying to do as homeschooling parents.
0: Yeah, and therein lies the paradox. When we are humble, we are strong. And when we are hidden, we are impactful. It's not what the world sells. Yes, yes. Mm, yeah. So just say a little bit too about your spiritual life. I know you're a working mom and you have a lot of plates spinning, but your unique life of, of the spirit of, of walking with God and walking with Our Lady and the saints, just give us a sense of the flavor of, of your homeschool, how that plays out.
2: Sure. Well, you know, I, I feel like what I, I feel like as homeschooling moms, we have an opportunity to bring who we are to our kids. Like, um, and again, talking about your theme of paradox, it, it's in some ways we get worn out, right? We're always with our kids to a certain extent. They're always, you know, we're always teaching them, um, and it's more magnified because they're here. They're in our own home school, and it can kind of like wear us out, if we're being honest. But it's the very thing that I think keeps us young. Like I was just thinking yesterday, um at the time of this recording, yesterday was the birthday of our lady. and um just it was a busy day, but to make it special for the kids and I have young children, um what I did was I said, and we had a treat. we we made um cinnamon buns with icing, yeah, you know, which they love. this was a yeah. breakfast. I find I do the most I, I love my spiritual conversations and prayerful conversations with the kids at breakfast time and like a morning time that follows breakfast. So, we did cinnamon buns and then i said now you know i've read that the saints tell us and of course it's in the very prayer right when we say hail mary mary appears she's there she's here with us she's in the room i tell the kids and you know, she's right here because we've said hello hail mary oh. she she will the saints teach us that as soon as you pray that hail mary she's present to us she's listening so I said, let's pray the Hail Mary. And when she's listening, we'll surprise her with a birthday song. We'll sing happy birthday. Oh, <laughs> oh that's adorable. <laughs> they loved it. They were like, oh, this is going to be so great because we'll pray together. And then when she least expects it, <laughs> we'll that's launch so into the cool. birthday song. And I just thought to myself, like, you know, that's something that you do because your children are that the, they say a child shall lead them. I wouldn't have done that that way without my kids. Um I'll find if I'm bringing out, I love to do the children's Bible. We mix it up in the morning. Sometimes it's a reading from the children's Bible. It's the same children's Bible I had as a kid, which I love that history. Same book that I learned from and and loved as a kid. Um, So we'll either read a chapter of that or we'll do like the saint of the day. And I might have something waiting for them when they wake up. Like, let's just say if it's the feast of St. Therese. I might have cut a rose from our rose bush outside, and it's there in a little vase, and and, oh, I don't know, maybe there's a a little flower coloring page out, and we'll talk about her life. Suddenly, because of my children, I've now immersed myself in a saint's feast day on a richer level than I ever did before children. You know, if, if I take the time because of them, because of wanting, and there's plenty of days I miss I miss out or I don't do it. But the days that I go, you know what? Let me make a special dinner that's inspired by St. Therese. Like she loved, she's so cute. I read her life and she loved eclairs. You know, uh-huh. she's French and she loved eclairs. And so I might like go stop at the bakery and pick up some eclairs or, or try to make them depending on the year. And then suddenly, wow, the whole day has been made richer. And I know I wouldn't have done that if it were not for my children. And yet I feel like a child again. I feel young at heart doing that with them. In terms of my background, I mean, I I wrote a whole book called um, Our House of the Sacred Heart. I was not homeschooled, but um, I feel like in some ways I had some of the graces as though I were because my family was very deep into their faith. And I grew up with a lot of family stories shared with me. Deep, you know at the table it was always a conversation it was it was through the generations it was really five generations it was my grandmother sharing stories of her grandmother
0: wow. at almost
2: every dinner i mean it was really if i watch the show the waltons i feel right at home in terms of that kind of like the culture of talking about stories and the family and so i feel like i learned from a very young age um that got me through when things got tough and they did I leaned on the strength of those family stories of kind of knowing how people I respected and loved got through hard times. And so that's what I try. I think that's what we do as homeschooling moms. We think of the things that were hard or beautiful or both. And then we filter that through and say, how do I give that or improve that for my kids? So I try to keep the stories alive. I try to make that breakfast table time, along with talking about the saints and the scripture, talking about. Practical, real-life examples of how how you put it in action.
0: So, mm, yeah, and uh, I won't have you repeat it now. I'm going to put the link to the other episode that you did with us. Uh, not too long ago about yeah. your book, The House of the Sacred Heart. You told just a beautiful story about uh, drawing your kids together to to understand suffering. And it was just yeah. blew my mind. So I will put that in the show notes. Oh,
1: cool. Thanks.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I, I want people to get to know you better and to, to enjoy everything that you bring to us. Um, tell us a little bit more too in terms of the what was the process like for you doing this book? Did Heidi give you specific prayers to write about? Or did you say, look at the list and say, Oh, I want that one. That one really resonates for me. So how did how did you get to write about certain prayers?
2: Okay, so a really cool story. Heidi found me out of nowhere. She had found an article I wrote on Alatea. Huh. Um, and it was an article I wrote, I actually have it here is article I wrote about my grandmother. Now my grandmother she lived to 101 years old.
0: God bless. Is that us.
2: unbelievable? And when she, at 101, she was still wise, still um, making, you know, making us laugh. She was a lot to lose. <sighs> and I had written this article about praying while in labor. That my grandmother taught me this. I, I don't know that I would have thought of it without her. She had this tradition. She had six children, and when she was pregnant with her first child. Her brother, who was a priest who had been doing missionary work in the Philippines and was imprisoned for his faith during World War II, when the Japanese invaded, they took him prisoner. So he became a hostage, a prisoner. He was malnourished. He had malaria. He was giving his meager bowls of rice to the children who were in the prison camp. So he wasn't eating most of the time. Um, He came back like two months before my grandmother was due with her baby. And she couldn't believe what he said to her now he's here's this priest who has basically been a martyr of the spirit, willing to die for his faith, and he says to her, um, you know there's there's never anyone closer to God than a woman in labor. Would you pray for me as you give birth? Wow, would you do that for me because I need it because he he was in danger of dying from from the malaria, from the exhaustion." And she couldn't believe that this man, that to her and her family, he was the holiest person, the closest to God with what he had just been through, prayerfully been through. Now he's asking her to pray for him. So she said from that moment on, every time she was in labor, she'd bring the intention of anyone she knew who was going through a hard time, sick, um, unable to conceive, you know, whatever the worry, she'd bring that to labor. And so she would tell me on the way to the hospital, she'd call me, she'd find out and say, All right, I'd like you to pray for so and so. Or who are you praying for? Don't forget, pray for them. So it became where uh, wow, you know, you you sort of I felt like this. Um she was my in my life, she was like, I I talk about, you know, like in the old testament when a, a child wants to get the blessing of the sage. That's what she was for me. She yeah. was always that. So that now I had this commission from her. She got the commission from the sage in her life, this wonderful priest. Now she gives that to me. And, and my article kind of passed that along to say, when you're in labor, bring your intentions with you. Heidi found that article. Wow, She was really excited about it. She said, could I include it in this book? And it went from there. Then we started talking. She said, Hey, is there, is there anything else you'd like to contribute? So um wow. then from there, I, and I sent her some ideas and uh, whatever she resonated with is what we went with. So the three main ones were the how to pray while in labor. And then when the baby is born, how to consecrate your child to the infant Jesus, which is oh. beautiful. Wow. And then it's fun. I feel like I looked at it, Lisa, and I realized it's kind of like the circle of life that my passages um, contain because I have... Praying in labor and for your newborn baby. Then I have this middle one, um, which I'll share with you in a second, if you don't mind. I love it. Oh, Entrusting sure. our children to Saint Benedict as they oh, learn.
0: Oh, nice.
2: And then the last one I did was praying for your child to have faith their entire life. That as moms now, you know, while their kids or, you know, whenever time we, we are reading this, whatever age our child is, to say, I pray that the faith will sustain them long into the future, no matter what they face. So I feel like I had kind of this wonderful opportunity to write through the different stages of being a mom and having your child from birth to old age.
0: Wow. That's exciting, Annabelle. Gosh, it's just, I'm not surprised that you're podcasting and doing so many other things. Just listening to you takes me into a place of experiencing uh, Kind of the presence of Our Lady, like your your motherly warmth, your love of Our Lady comes through in the way you talk about the power of prayer and personalize and particularize it for the family. I, I really do feel her influence in you, and I'm, it's just very touching. I'm so grateful that you're that you're here with us. Um, Take us out. uh, First of all, I wanted to say to everybody this new book, um, the Ave Prayer Book for Catholic Mothers, will be out soon, and you can pre order it with a special discount code that wraps up on October 15th. So this episode will air. What's the date? It's the first Wednesday of October. And um, so you'll have a little time you'll have, you know, over a week to get this done, maybe buy some for your favorite moms for Christmas for your sisters, your, your friends in the homeschool network and get that discount. Um, and and the discount code will be in the show notes. But it's Annabelle's last name, Mosley in all caps. And we'll definitely make that easy for you. Um, but Annabelle do take us out with any final thoughts about uh, anything that we've talked about.
2: Oh, sure. I'd love to take you out today with a
0: prayer.
2: This is a prayer that I actually wrote that's in the book. And since we just talked about praying and labor, this is a prayer for our child to have faith no matter where life takes them through even to their own old age. Um, maybe that's because I was close with my grandmother, but it's a it's based on a real true story about my own son. Um, and you'll hear that my son Moved into into position for birth three months before he was due and never moved from the position. He was oh my <laughs> goodness! <laughs> he was The doctor would go, he just feels like this is, this is my way out. I'm not budging. So that inspired this <laughs> so poetic drama. prayer. Um, and it's part of the book talking about praying for our children as they grow for their faith. It's called Faith. Three months before your time, my child, you moved head down into position ripe for birth. The world outside was unseen and unproved, but still you leaped as though you sensed its worth and wanted it. And though your world was dark, removed from any touch except my hand, passing above your solitary ark, you ate from my own blood, your cosmos spanned my womb. Responding to my voice, you danced. So someday, when you're grown and faced with doubt because of grief or age by fear enhanced, remember how you once moved towards an out you could not see. Wait. New life will begin. Feel God's warm hand above Earth's starry skin.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm really going to need to reflect on that for a bit. That is stunning. Thank you, Annabelle. Everybody, do uh, check out Annabelle's website, tourguideofwonder.com, but we have lots of other ways for you to find her and her podcasts, her books, and we'll have the discount code for the new book for you. Do uh, Do follow her. She's really somebody who just yeah, exists and, and and creates in that space of the beauty of our faith. And it's just always so nourishing and refreshing. Annabelle, can't thank you enough.
2: Thank you so much, Lisa.
0: Mm, it's, it's my joy. Everybody, thank you for being with us. And don't hang up the, uh, the dial just yet, because that doesn't make any sense at all. But stay tuned <laughs> for our short feature coming right up. <laughs>
1: Everyone, this is Chantal Howard with From Ideal to Real, helping to make your lofty and holy pipe dreams more accessible in everyday living, especially as it relates to your homeschooling. I'm excited to come to you for the first time on video. I think this is going to be a great new way for us to interact. So, stick around while we dive into this little spotlight moment about the difficult topic of disagreeing disagreeing with our children in particular, but also our spouses. Homeschooling is often a very touchy subject. It's one in which we have to have confidence and leadership and motivation. And oftentimes we can feel so run down by the disagreements. And honestly, they can take us by surprise. Truth told, we're not very good at disagreeing with others and then loving them still. In most situations, when we get into an argument, we kind of would rather just eliminate the thought, the person, (laughs) the the disagreement altogether. Our tendency is to run. And with our children, it's often to guilt trip them or manipulate them into trying to agree with us. The reality is, my friends, that as parents, we can employ better tools and we ought. Scripture calls us to not provoke our children to anger. And so here are three quick tips that I encourage you to try to put into practice. The first is to genuinely, honestly, and completely hear your children. Now this relates in particular to your teenage kids, those that are having strong opinions emerging and they're trying their best to begin to spread their logical wings. They're trying out new ways of thinking and debating and it is very natural for them to want to resist. Whether we like it or not, God has built into them this mechanism that is going to propel them out into the world and they need to practice. Unfortunately, it often hurts when they practice on us. So let's listen, listen for the wound, listen for the influence, the background, what's happened that's brought them to this place where they hold this opinion so strongly that they're ready to start flinging some really intense mud at us and when we can hear them and we can say phrases like tell me more, tell me more, let me hear you, I want to understand. We are going to find that their level of intensity will naturally begin to fall because they don't expect us to not fight back. to not be hot-headed and fiery and to throw at them that it's we're the authoritarian ones in the family we're the parents gosh darn it the commandment is to respect and honor your mother and father how dare you talk back to me right we need to learn to listen point number two listening doesn't mean agreeing and we can make that very very clear to our children and to our spouses surrounding topics with homeschooling or, or putting our children back in, in public school or what kind of curriculum or how to conduct the schedule each day. We can simply say, I hear you, but I don't agree. And we can be confident in that. It is important for us to know that listening doesn't mean acquiescing. The third point that is important to remember is that if and when we choose to share our opinion back, we need to be prepared that that judgment that we often have towards others and their thoughts may in fact come back at us and they may judge us and they may throw back and they may fight back, they may resist. But the likelihood of them being influenceable (laughs) comes from setting the ground of listening, of understanding, End up being clear and trying to be peaceful in the midst of this very tense situation. The sooner we get comfortable with them judging our thoughts and judging our opinion, the more we are going to be confident and we aren't going to be manipulated and we aren't going to try to manipulate and control them, which is the tendency when we feel out of control, we want to hold on to others and control them. Yeek, doesn't sound like a relationship builder to me. So those are your three tips. I am hopeful that you will practice these and that you will remember that just because you have a thought or a feeling emerge around an argument, that that does not mean that that comes from the other person. You are responsible for your thoughts and your opinions even when you are barraged by them or caught off guard. So practice learning to stay in control of your thoughts and your feelings. This is a tough one. But I am confident, my friends, that you can do this. Learning to disagree and remain amicable is such a beautiful thing. And it's such a needed skill in today's world. And it's one that in our homeschool formation is going to be one of the greatest lessons that we can hand to our children in preparation for their marriages and their jobs and to be influencers in the world. Fulton Sheen would often say, don't listen to what a person says, listen to why they say it. What is the wound? What is the wound underneath the anger? And learning to be calm and collected, hearing the other person, and being okay with their judgment of our opinion is going to make us into more peaceful and more confident parents. All right, my friends, thank you for joining me for this episode of From Ideal to Real. I look forward to having you with me again, hopefully on video, next round as we dive deeper into these beautiful spotlights surrounding making your life more holy and more free in everyday living. All right, take care.